Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Um, it's now time for me to tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. Um, so uh, we'll do a three-minute warning at the end. That would be great. I'll go ahead and start my timer. So thank you so much for the invitation. Excited to be um, in Los Angeles, in California. I will be there in nine days for the birthday party. So this is kind of like a pre-boarding call, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of a goofy girl, so bear with me tonight. My name is Jen A., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I stick by the guidelines and and do tell you that that's um, who I am. I will say that my story is going to include anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia. Um, I've done pretty much much all of it, except for if it's new since I stopped, then maybe I haven't tried it. Right. (laughs) But, um, yeah, pills, potions, drugs, needles, diet pills, and, um, sanitariums. I've done it all. So anyways, so what was it like for a girl like me? Well, growing up, I think I was a lot like most people on these, uh, squares. And, um, I hope tonight that our newcomers can, um, identify in and say, yes, I'm like you too. Um, at age eight, I remember, um, I took my first compulsive bite. At least I remembered that in my forties, when I came to this program, they said, go back to the first earliest childhood memory. And, and when do you remember like food really doing, doing something for you? Like you got something out of it. Like you sought an effect out of it. And I'm like, well, I just remember, you know, I was uncomfortable in my own skin and, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't the most athletic girl. I was the chunky little girl, kind of chubby, you know, pleasantly plump is what the cleaning ladies used to call me. And, um, you know, I just, I just never felt, felt right. I never fit in with the other kids size wise. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I was at my friend Leanne's house and, uh, I just remember sneaking downstairs to the pantry, sliding open that door. Cause it slid from both sides. It was one of those. Right. And I, um, reached in and I grabbed, um, the Twinkies, not a Twinkie, the Twinkies, like all of them, and just started shoveling them in my pockets and then ran to the um, bathroom. And in my head, I can visualize today exactly when it was, where it was, how much I took, how much I ate. And I ran into that bathroom and I just started shoving them down my gullet and I hid, get this second part, right? Like I hid the evidence because I didn't want anybody to know that I was eating like that. And that's when it became like, that was like the first awareness that I think I really had when I go back and replay and rewind in my mind. Um, You know, uh, I grew up, um, I was a swimmer. I swam competitively from um, age eight all the way to age 18. Um, You can do the math. That's a lot of years of exercise. And so I could eat just about anything because I could swim it off. Um, I don't know if you see very many swimmers, but they're not very heavy. Well, I was probably the heaviest girl on the swim team. (laughs) So I was the chunky one in all the pictures. Um, But, you know, it was okay. Like I was the team captain. Everybody liked me because I was funny and goofy. Um, You know, I, I guess I had that going for myself at the time. Um, I went to college and I don't know if you guys know this trick, but it's called the freshman 15. And I didn't gain just 15 pounds. I gained 50 and I gained them from August 
to the second week in December. So end of August, the beginning of December, 50 pounds. I love to drink. I love to eat. And I love the soft serve, soft serve cone machine in the dorm, um, the, the restaurant there. Oh my gosh. And I could go back for more and more and more. Forget about all those little things you sprinkle on top. Just give me the hot fudge. Give me the ice cream. And I was like in heaven. Um, I drank every weekend, every Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And, um, I didn't drink anything that, um, yeah, I drank it all. (laughs) I just drank it all. Um, and then I came home from college. I only made it one year. (laughs) My dad says, either you get grades or you come home. Well, I got good grades, joined a sorority. And then I had to come home because I partied too hard. Um, but I came home with that, that 50 pounds on me in December, And I remember putting on my Sony AM FM Walkman. It had like the little foamy headphones, you know, with the cord that actually went to the little box and it was AM FM only people. We're not talking no playlist, no Spotify, no nothing like that. And I went to the um, Stutler Bowl here at Cherry Creek High School where I graduated from and I ran the stairs and I ran the stairs and I barely ate. But if I needed to go out, I would drink myself and drink myself to death. And that's how I got skinny. Um, coming home from college, I went back to college and 20 pounds thinner, you know, and people were like, Oh, what happened? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I just don't think I ate as much, or I don't know what I did, or maybe I wasn't drinking as much. I don't think I knew I was just exercising. Um, well, I got through college. Um, you know, I, I, I kept the weight on up, down, up, down, and always ate, always ate in private, always ate in secret, always ate at night. Um, I was an architectural drafting interior design student. And so I go down to the basement of my parents' house because I lived with my mom and dad. And I would just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat down there. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. But eventually, um, I finally I met a guy. And, um, you know, he looked at me and said, oh, you're the cutest thing since life spread. And we got married and guess what? He was six, five and I'm, I'm five, I'm five, eight. And, um, I started eating like he ate <laughs> and then I was sneaking cause I was so miserable in my marriage after five years. Right. And so I was eating and sneaking and hiding and eating what he ate and it was just a mess. And I put on, you know, another 20, 30, 40 pounds And then he looked at me and said, if we're going to have kids, you better lose weight. So then I started dieting again and got down to a reasonable quote unquote size, had a kid. And, um, you know, I will just say this, that a bunch, a bunch of stuff came back for me outside issue that I had to seek outside help from, um, after I had my first child, but I continued to eat and continued. And I never put my own clothes on after having my first child. I had put my ex-husband's, um, jeans on again. He was six, five big guy, right? I wore his shirts and I couldn't fit my shoes into anything but Birkenstocks because my feet were so fat, puffy, and swollen. Um, And, you know, it was just miserable. And uh, I will say that eventually um, the the bedeviled girl in me, I call it the bedevil because I lived in the bedevilments. I didn't know what they were until I came here and you guys opened that big book and told me. But um, that girl just uh, started dwindling. And after I got divorced, um, I'll never forget Like the hardest part for me was, is that I just wanted to be skinny and be loved and be liked by everybody. So I started the extreme dieting majors. Um, I exercised six to seven times a week, sometimes twice a day. Um, I took pills. I took potions. I injected myself with needles. Um, I threw up and I got down to a very unhealthy body weight. And that's when I entered the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous was in 2016. My Ebby appeared to me on Facebook 
He was a recovered alcoholic addict. And he said, ta-da, here's my before and after. Look at me. I'm so great. And I said, that's fantastic, Rice. I think it's great. You have four sober houses. I think you're the, you know, the coolest guy. But here's what I'm about to tell you. Like, I'm dying in food. I'm dying at the gym. And he goes, oh, well, Google OA. And I said, oh, what? And he said, OA. So I Googled OA, Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, you got to be kidding me. I got to go to a meeting. And he goes, yeah, go to at least six. So I went to the first one. There were six people there at the meeting. And I, I thought, oh, and I went there for six times. And then finally, we were on this little workbook thing. And we were talking about sponsorship. And nobody in the rooms could sponsor me there. And I said, where do I go? And they go, well, you need to go to a bigger meeting. So in Colorado, I hoofed it over to a 8 a.m. meeting on a Saturday morning. I don't know about you, but that cuts into my exercise time. So I came in late, 20 minutes. I walked into the room. And there was a group of people sitting there. There were six people. I'm like, I freaking got gypped again. You guys told me this is going to be a big meeting. Little did I know that they broke off into small groups. Duh, I missed the 60 people. But I didn't miss the man who was sitting across from me in that chair. And um, he pulled out this little like blue book. It was like this. And um, he read from it. He read these things called the nine step promises. And then he read the 10 step promises. And I was like, for the first time, I heard that something in peace and serenity could happen to a girl like me because I was living in the bedevilments and I couldn't get out. It was like this massive tornado. And I felt like I was Pinocchio with the puppet strings, right? And I was just being controlled by everything and everyone because I allowed people to control me. Um, And so what I will just say is that I attended those meetings regularly. Um, Years, a year later, that man became my sponsor. Um, I didn't know what entire absence was. I didn't know what it meant to put down the food. I didn't know there was a food plan. I didn't know these things in the rooms. I think Zoom today, you hear so much more. And with the podcast and everything, it's totally amazing as to what we're able to tell people and share with people, our experience, strength, and hope. Um, But one night I finally got really, really desperate. And, um, you know, my sponsor had uh, moved on. She had to leave Overeaters Anonymous. She had some family issues going on and she had taken me up through my fifth step, which looked like um, 45 pages front and back of, of my life history. It wasn't column work. It wasn't the big book. It wasn't any of that. And, um, you know, I just remember like the rubber met the road one night and um, I don't remember going to the first convenience store. I don't remember saying I wanted to take a bite because just like a couple of days before that, I was in a meeting thinking, I'm going to take a coin in two weeks. I've made it a year in Overeaters Anonymous. Look at me. But I was the skinniest girl in the room and I was dying and I didn't even know why. So, um, you know, like I said, I don't remember it. And the big book talks about the mental blank spot, right? That peculiar twist in your mind. We don't remember why we go back to the cupboard or back to the fridge or why we keep going back to that bite. That's that's the cunning and baffling part of this disease. It's in my mind. It's in my body. And if I keep eating this crap, it's going to keep making me want to crave more. And then my mind's going to tell me I can eat more. And then I'm going to wake up the next morning and I am going to feel like crap, right? And um I'll just never forget that night that I sat um, after going and binging at six convenience stores. I sat in the back alleyway of Trader Joe's and uh, it was really dark. And I looked over and there's a whole bunch of wrappers and boxes and bags in the front seat. And I had my door open and I had a toothbrush in my hand and I'm vomiting out the door. Please don't make it count. Please don't make it count. I want to go back and get that coin. I want to be liked by everybody in Overeaters Anonymous. And the reality was, is that, um, you know, 
uh, I was throwing up <laughs> and I didn't even know that that was abstinence or breaking my abstinence, or that was an abstinence requirement for me. Cause I didn't know what I didn't know, but I did know one thing. I heard what you people said in the meetings. You told me to pick up the phone and call you. And so that man that read those nine step promises that day, I picked up the phone and called him sobbing uncontrollably. And the only words that I could get out of my mouth were help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. And that was the first idea and first thought that God put in my brain was call that man. And I called him and I said, I need help. I don't know if you remember me from the Saturday morning meeting. I said, but all I know is that you're calm, cool, and collective. And when you, when you talk, it's like water running down the side of an oil can. You don't get disturbed. Nothing bothers you in a room full of women. This one guy was like cool as a cucumber. And I was like, I don't know if you can sponsor me. But he said, yes, I'll sponsor you. And I said, great. And he goes, go get to a meeting tomorrow morning. Well, meetings are far and few between. This is 2016. And so I basically um, walked into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I read what Holly read to us tonight. I read how it works for 120 days straight. I looked and I prayed that third step prayer and that seven step prayer on the wall. Every time they prayed it, they opened up the big book. They taught me line by line. I opened up the 12 by 12. They shared with me. I met with my sponsor every Saturday for four and a half years. Now, it didn't take me four and a half years um, to have the obsession lifted and removed. Thank you, God. Um, you know, I did the work pretty diligently. I met with him. He took me through the big book line by line, um, step by step. Um, and I, I'm just so grateful for this program. Um, you know, I went to a meeting every Saturday, was sponsored by my son, my by my sponsor on Saturday mornings. Um, I had two kids at the time, small, neither one of them was driving. I forfeited every Saturday for four years, um, minus one wedding <laughs> that I attended. Um, and it, it, and I'm just telling you, it changed my life. And the meetings didn't make me a better person. And my sponsor didn't make me a better person. But following the precise instructions out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is what changed a girl like me. And it didn't so much make me a better person as it allowed my higher power to drive the obsession out of my body. I no longer had the desire to compulsively overeat, to binge, to restrict, to go to the gym. I have to make myself work out now. I think that's kind of crazy. Like, oh, have I worked out enough this week? Like, did I do my exercises and get up and do enough steps? Um, but for the most part, like life is pretty good. Um, I will tell you that the bedevilments rained havoc in my life. Um, you know, having trouble with personal relationships. I didn't have any personal relationships. I didn't have any friends. Um, my ex-husband hated me with a passion. Um, my family tolerated me. Um, I worked for myself, so I didn't have anybody to deal with. But by the time I got into this program, I was working with nine other people in an office. And I'll never forget the girl who came up to me and she said, I'm an event coordinator, by the way. And she said, um, I said, you know, how, how can things be better? And she goes, are you kidding me? On event days, you scare me. And I was like, oh, my kids called me a mommy monster. I belittled and berated them. I beat them up with my words. I physically hurt my child once. I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. Um, you know, I yelled and screamed at my ex-husband at times. I was ruthless. I would yell at the Comcast lady for hours just to feel better, right? Like, that's just who I was. I was a raging lunatic. And I'm not going to say that I don't do any of that today, that I don't raise my voice, that I'm a perfect human being. No, but I'm a lot better today. Why? Because going through this program 
And working through the steps, I was able to uncover, discover, and discard all the things about myself. You know, the big book calls it character defects. This is how I define a character defect. It's a characteristic, Jennifer, that you were given when you were born by your higher power, God, spirit of the universe, whatever you want to call it in this program. The deal is, is that you are a human being and you use it. You manipulate it. So I give you good care. I give you good characteristics and you overuse them, misuse them, underuse them, or you don't use them at all. And that's what makes them defective. And what this program has shown me is that now I can see those, right? When I do this work, when I do a 10 step, when I do inventory on a yearly basis, I clean out the closet, I sweep out underneath the rug. I even get the cobwebs out of the attic and I'm able to see You know, for me, it's column four. Column four is huge. It's where I hold my hand in the fire in most situations. And I look at all those people that I'm writing in column number one. And guess what? Those are just people that God gave me to use so that I could see where I'm out and where I'm holding my hand in the fire. And today it's just a different process for me. You know, I'm able to see things better. Um, God gives me an awareness ahead of time. If I pause, when I get agitated or doubtful, um, when I ask for the next right thought, intuitive decision, action, whatever it may be, like I stop, drop and roll today. That's been my latest thing. And, you know, I sit there and talk to my sponsees and I'm like, you know, when they do their inventory or when we talk on a daily basis or weekly basis, it's like, what are we not doing? We're not stop dropping and rolling as recovered human beings. We just go out there and get fired up and back out there. And I got to have it my way. And I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. And you better move it or I'm going to lose it. Thank you so much. Um, And so I'll just say that um, it says how and or why I stay abstinent today. I think that's not the, the question isn't how, you know, how I stay abstinent today. I do this work on a daily basis. I wake up, I drop to my knees, I pray, I meditate, I work with others, I serve, I give my time. But, but why do I stay abstinent today? Because I'm always reminded. I'm reminded of the two human beings that are in these pictures that I'll show you the old fashioned way. I'm reminded of this girl. 220 plus pounds who was miserable in the food, who was dying and drowning. That's me. Or you can look at the girl who came into these rooms with the holes in her soles of her eyes, who is dying, right? Like Gonzo knows, yeah, I had a really good, nice jawline, but I'm telling you, like I was crazy when I wasn't eating. That's why I stay here today because the girl I want to be is the girl that you all see today, who for the most part is calm, cool, and collective, who can handle life on life's terms with God as my spiritual advisor. You know, he's, he's the one who keeps me on track and um, you know, it's not really that hard. I had a sponsor asked me today who's retired. She goes, how do you do this? And you work full time and you're in a, you're a mom and you're in a relationship. She's like, how do you do it? I said, I don't have a choice because two phone calls before years was a girlfriend of mine that was sober a year before me, five years ago, and she's back out and she's eating again and relapsed twice in the last six months. That's why I do it. Cause I don't want to be there ever again. And plus, if you ever get to know me or if I ever get to know you, I hope you like the girl that I am today. Um, you know, my boyfriend, he's really cute. He's like, whatever you need to do, he's a normie. He's like, whatever you need to do to, you know, when he met me, he's like, you need to get up for a meeting. When I finally told him I was a compulsive overeater and I did 12 step. He's like, cause the girl that I met is the same girl that I want to keep dating. So do what works for you. 
And when he kneels next to me on the side of the bed in the morning, pretty, pretty effing cool. I'm just going to say it. Right. And when I say, Oh, I'm getting on with my peeps from California, focus on permanent recovery meeting. He's like, okay, I'm making you breakfast. And he's like, can I warm up your tea? You know, just like sweet. Right. That's the girl that I want to be today. My teenage kid work with me all day today at work. He's 19. He likes his mom. I think he does. We can ask him if you want. <laughs> my daughter, yeah, she's a teenager. We'll see what happens with her. My ex-husband and I, we get along. And my coworkers, they actually listen to me because I'm not bossing them around anymore. I'm making suggestions. I work with others in my office just like I work with others in this program. This program has taught me a design for a living that really works. And I'm just going to take it back to this to close in time. How it works it said three things on that first page. It says people are incapable of being honest with themselves. Where do you have to get first? I had to get for, I had to get clear and be honest with myself. I am truly a compulsive overeater and my life is unmanageable. And then it demands rigorous honesty. I have to get rigorously honest, not just once, but every day in this program. And it says many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. I thank you, God, that I'm honest today to the best of my ability. That's and when I'm not thanks. And when I'm not, I know where to go and I know what to do. So with that, I will pass and see where we're supposed to go next.